The History of the World podcast, written and presented by Chris Hasler. This is the History of the World podcast, unscripted. everyone welcome to the history of the world unscripted yet again here we are unscripted uh, we should be giving you another unscripted episode this weekend this coming weekend before uh, the publication of new full episodes which have been long awaited while we've had this two-month break so um, I think yeah I think it will be we can target the 14th of August as the first um proper episode that we've got come back we've had long enough haven't we off so it's it's about time we started publishing again um but you've been very patient in the meantime and i've tried to uh, give you some unscripted episodes to keep your to to sort of wet your appetite let's say and um yesterday we did answer a question uh, from one of our History of the World podcast Illuminati members, uh, Diane Timmerman, who uh, who wrote in asking about the old Swiss Confederacy. Um, this uh, to, in, in this episode, we're going to be talking about um, a question that Renee Razanen has written in and, and asked. She's uh, herself a, a member of the History of the World podcast Illuminati and is qualified to ask a question that we will answer during the podcast. So now's the time. Um, and she's written, uh, what effect did the reshaping of the original sagas into Latin by Saxo Grammaticus have on how the genre was known outside of Scandinavia? Um, this is a very, very difficult question for someone like me to answer. I think a question like this would need to have some kind of expert knowledge of... Uh, this field of history Um, so it's very very difficult for me to answer it but what we can do we can sort of have a bit of an overview of Saxo Grammaticus who he was and um, how he maybe changed the face of um, of how uh, literature was viewed upon in the in the in the um, medieval period of history and also um, how Denmark was looked upon uh, during the medieval period of history. Essentially, um, Denmark at the time, so Saxo Grammaticus, uh, his lifetime um, was sort of around um, the, maybe the uh, 12th to 13th century. Um, and um, he was uh, he was commissioned by... Uh, by a statesman and a uh, an archbishop of the Catholic Church in Denmark, um, who was called Absalon, 
Absalom was um, very much a part of this new uh, regime in in Denmark, where um, you had a, a convergence, maybe of of Catholic culture and and um, and Viking culture. So the Danes were really migrants originally from uh, from the peninsula of Scandinavia uh, onto uh, Jutland and, um, and and that area of Northern Europe. So there was very much a com- uh, a convergence of two cultures here and of course um these uh these scandinavian um cultured uh, peoples such as the danes and uh, the land of denmark were very much looking to have themselves taken seriously by the rest of europe so beforehand maybe like the frankish um imperial movements such as the holy roman emperor uh, or the Holy Roman Empire and, and the Frankish Kingdom uh, that were emerging from the remnants of Charlemagne's great empire um, were really the the the, the main uh, the sort of the most advanced cultures of Europe of of continental Europe at that time, and they probably looked down upon their Germanic neighbours uh, to their north, um, and uh, they're also their they're very much um, the the tribal the tribal uh, peoples to their east, so from the Bavarians and Hungarians eastwards. Um, so there probably was quite a, a degree of pomposity amongst the Franks and the Frankish kingdoms that emerged from uh, from the uh, from Charlemagne's empire, and the Danes probably wanted to be taken more seriously on an international scale. Um, for for many different reasons, and so Absalom um, commissioned uh, a man called Saxo um, to write uh, a a history of Denmark, and um, this uh, history of Denmark was called the Gesta Danorum, and it would be a, a very comprehensive volume of books about the history of the Danes, and it was written in Latin. Uh, so it would um, somewhat take the the material of the sagas of the of the Vikings in order to compile this history, and so the Viking sagas were really not not something that was really um, taken seriously by the Latin churches uh, during this time, who were more interested in their own histories. But uh, what Saxo did was he wrote these these Latin references to Danish history that really um, gave Denmark a, a serious identity on an international scale. And um, he would be named ultimately Saxo Grammaticus. And, and that was essentially a nod um, to say, uh, or a nod of appreciation for his abilities. So he was very much uh, respected and revered as a considerably good writer and um, very much um, celebrated for his abilities. And um, this is really where um, Saxo Grammaticus uh, takes his place in, uh, in literary history. And we see this in history as well, where, um, where nations attempt to embellish their own histories 
uh, by making it sound great and glorious and um, giving the people of that nation a real sense of identity, saying we are the proud uh, owners of this nation now and we honour our ancestors who were brave and noble and um, who done all these wonderful things and, and, and almost make us greater than our neighbours. And, and the Danes would would probably very well reference the work of Saxo Grammaticus in order to, um, to, to state how wonderful their nation was, the, the Danish nation. Uh, so this is probably what Saxo Grammaticus did for the Danes um, in terms of writing his, um, his uh, the, the, the history of the Danes in Latin. Uh, meant that Denmark could be taken more seriously and that the Danes took themselves more seriously. But the other thing also that I seem to sort of notice is the reference of what Saxo Grammaticus wrote in terms of how other writers viewed his work. And um, we we don't really know for sure, but it may have been that William Shakespeare was very well aware of Saxo Grammaticus's work and um, was... Uh, inspired by it perhaps and um also um the fact that we we get this character in in within um within saxo grammaticus's work uh called uh Paunatoki, who has been um has been linked to the um to the legendary or folk hero uh william tell who we know as the man who famously shot uh, an arrow off of someone's, um, or sorry, shot an apple with an arrow off of someone's head. So this, strangely enough, links us up to to yesterday's question about the the old Swiss Confederacy, because of course William Tell, um, the story of William Tell was that the fact that he was a, a Swiss man from the old Swiss Confederacy. Who um, who assassinated uh, a member of the Habsburg dynasty? So that really links us up to the fact uh, that uh, maybe the the legend of William Tell was based on the writings of Saxo Grammaticus. So completely two areas of Europe completely detached from each other. But of course, there's a lot of um, uh, supposition to that as well. So, but I mean, in terms of what Saxo Grammaticus did uh, for the world, what did Saxo Grammaticus ever do for us? Um, he probably gave the Danes a, um, a sense of national identity um, that was equivalent to that of a modern European kingdom. And uh, he probably also um, advanced uh, literary abilities um, in the medieval ages, so he's quite a, a considerable... Um, writer of of renown on an international scale. So um, that's about as much as I can probably tell you about Saxo Grammaticus. And and, um, I don't really, unfortunately, have any expert knowledge, but um, at least least we got to talk about him. At least we got to acknowledge him, didn't we? So uh, thank you very much, Rene, um, for, for the question. And uh, and I'm sorry if it wasn't as comprehensive as maybe you would have liked, but hopefully at least we've uh, we've talked about the man himself and uh, covered another uh, individual in the history of the world.
Now, of course, if you'd like me to discuss uh, something else as well, if you'd like to ask me a question and, and for us to discuss another individual or anything to do with history, for that matter, you can qualify to ask a question by becoming a History of the World podcast Illuminati member. And the way you do that is by going to the History of the World podcast dot com website, clicking on the Patreon link and exploring some of the wonderful rewards that we have on offer for you that don't just include uh, abstract questions and podcast episodes, but also um, tangible objects such as uh, drinking mugs and T-shirts, key rings, uh, badge pins, all, all that kind of thing. So we're, we're producing a lot of rewards for the History of the World podcast, the Illuminati members, as, as our way of saying thank you for supporting this project, um, this wonderful project that we're trying to uh, soldier our way through. And uh, we do also have um, some new members to welcome into the History of the World podcast, Illuminati. Um, we have um, Mia Davis and uh, we have Terry Bain, um, both now uh, new members of the History of the World podcast, Illuminati member. Um, we we have got Kartik Balaji. I can't remember if I, if I welcomed him in last time, but if... If I didn't, you've been welcomed twice now. But um, thank you very much to each of you for your generous contributions uh, to the History of the World podcast. Um, I'd also like to give a special mention to Randy Aboud, who is also um, a member of the History of the World podcast, Illuminati, has made a very generous one-off donation. So thank you, Randy. Um you're all very much valued as members of the History World Podcast Illuminati. You make this uh, podcast uh, very easy to do. It's a pleasure to do in any case, but um, your contributions make it so much more, so much easier for me to do, and it's very, very motivating. So I'd, I'd really like to thank you, and the rewards are there for you to claim. So uh, please do feel free to take advantage of it. Um, let's uh, have a look at some of the listener emails. Art Menenzies has written in saying, Chris, my wife Sandy and I have been listening to you since we started a long road trip several days ago. We started at the beginning and are now just getting into ancient Greece. We love it, but can't help but notice all the attention paid to your accent, which we love. Although I suspect you're really from Texas and are just great at covering up your southern draw. Anyway, thank you for your incredibly entertaining and informative shows. Normally, I, I see that as an invitation to um, actually attempt to do the accent, but I've, I've, I've done Texas before and I'm not confident with it, so I'm not going to do it again. Uh, but thank you for your message, Art. Um, um, Jean Carlos has written in a very interesting uh, email this one it's a great podcast I'd love it if you could help non-native English speakers like me with the transcript of the episodes I finally found the podcast I consider it to be the best history podcast ever but without the transcript I can't get all the information accurately which makes me sad and makes me have to go with another history podcast that has a transcript but isn't as good. Transcription will make the podcast much more complete and reliable and every word of knowledge will be more easily understood around the world. Um, thanks, Jean Carlos. I think um, there's probably a number of points worth making there in terms of um, a response to that uh, a response to that email, which is um, very, very important and relevant 
um, in terms of um, what other people have also said. So, so we have had one or two people approach the podcast and um, and, and offer to um, translate it into other languages. And of course, um, with the amount of work that's gone into this podcast, um, it's um, it's it's a very considerable undertaking. So, um, I, it's very hard for me to take any offers that seriously unless um there's like a formulated plan of action in terms of um it being worth that person's well certainly for me to publish a podcast is worthwhile because i'm obviously creating the podcast so it's a it's a, a creation but for someone then to translate it is a is a serious commitment and um it, it's very much um very important um that I, I know that that person takes that commitment very seriously. Um, in terms of transcripts, um, yes, I agree. It would make things uh, a lot easier. And of course, if this was a full-time project, I think I could uh, index my work uh, so that you could um, identify those characters who I was talking about. So so when I talk about... Um, Various say like I mean Saxo Grammaticus I'll, I'll I'll pick out as an example. It could be quite easy to um, identify Saxo Grammaticus and how it would be spelt, so you could look him up online. But you can't say that for all of the characters, some of the names or the place names, city names, individuals. Um, it's not always guessable how you spell the the name. So in terms of further learning, it's hard to then go and look up that person's name if you're not sure how it's spelt and therefore you'd have to email me and say um, exactly who were you talking about there. Um, in term, Transcripts would help with that but also um, originally when I started doing the podcast I thought to myself it could be like an Illuminati reward uh, to have access to the transcripts but there wasn't any interest if I'm honest. There was no interest in transcripts back then so I thought that my time would be better spent elsewhere than by worrying about transcripts. And of course, if it was a full-time project, I would be able to turn more attention to transcripts and indexing. Uh, but at this moment in time, I don't necessarily see um, that um, that it's a priority. And, and that's quite sad, really, because um, I'd love for it to be much more of a priority. Having said that, if anyone is interested in a transcript for a particular episode, um, then by all means get in touch. I'm, you know, it's it's not a problem um, for me to maybe send you a transcript and and for you to be able to sort of identify some of the the strange names and places um, contained within an episode. So thanks for the email, Jean Carlos. I think you are talking about an incredibly important. Uh, aspect of this podcast so um, your message is appreciated even if I maybe can't meet your requirements uh, just due to the sheer magnitude of, of the request. Um, Julian Maynardi has written in, in uh, Hi Chris, I've listened to your podcast for a year now. Every morning while I unload my van you take me to a wonderful world full of mystery and adventure. You've taught me so much and I have. I am so grateful. The only negative is that I have nearly caught up with your latest episode. I guess I'll just have to start the podcast all over again. Yeah, why not? Why not? The stories are good enough, aren't they? So to, to be listened to twice. Um, 
Roland uh, Nolan. Roland Nolan. No, it's not his name. Russell Nolan. Sorry, I'm making I'm making up I'm jumbling up your name and making up something new there. Sorry, Russell. Russell Noland has put I would be interested in acquiring a map or maps of the ancient world with the names of the lands as they were known in the three thousand BCE to one thousand CE time frame. Give or take a few centuries on either side of those dates. If you have any ideas where I could purchase these materials or a link to find them, I would appreciate it. And you a great deal. The best I've been able to find so far is maps of Europe. Again, thanks for any help and keep up the great work. Well, I think essentially, yes, I'm not surprised that you'd be finding maps of Europe because uh, until the age of exploration, I don't think there was much requirement for locals to uh, make any maps of international significance um, beforehand, really. It was only until the age of exploration that long distance uh, travel was really uh, was really um, something that needed to be uh, mapped or monitored um, until the arrival of, of explorers and, and certainly um, the extensive trade networks of Europe um, were certainly um, you know mapping the cartography the science of cartography which is the which is the science of mapping. Um, would have had significance um, during the ancient and classical period, certainly uh, for trade reasons. Um, and, and we're going to sort of talk a little bit about that in one of our future episodes about communication um, during the medieval period. But in terms of where you can get prints of these maps, I'm not really sure. I've, ne- I've, I've personally never looked uh, for such uh, stuff um, just just because, really. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure, but maybe a, a fellow listener to the podcast might be able to point us in the right direction. And if they do, I'll be sure to let you know, Russell. Now, just one very quick review before we sign off. Um, from the United States of America, America, Neil Della Totep has written, even killed. That's some good historical presentation. Has given us five stars as well. Thank you so much to you. Um, next week will be uh, one more unscripted episode, the last one, uh, before we start uh, presenting new material. Can't wait. Very excited about that. I'm sure you are too. Um, until then, uh, thanks very much for listening and be good. The History of the World podcast, written and presented by Chris Hasler. Please consider making a financial contribution by going to the historyoftheworldpodcast.com website and clicking on the Patreon link. Email the show at historyoftheworldpodcast at mail.com And don't forget to join our social media at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and Tumblr. See you next time.